everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. Here at Redbeard Outdoors podcast, we talk about faith and family, fitness and the outdoors. So welcome back to everyone that has been listening. I know there's so many podcasts out there that you could be listening to, and you're choosing mine. That means so much to me. Uh, Apparently, I'm providing value to you, which is the whole purpose of it. I want you to understand that those three main pillars that I talk about can change your life for the better and will make you happier, more successful, and just overall better individual. And on top of that, those of you that are new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoy this conversation as much as I did uh, in making the conversation and spending this time here with today. We're going to have an amazing guest. Her name is Heather. If you haven't heard of Heather's Choice, it is some of the cleanest, nutritious, and to me, some of the best tasting backcountry food. If you're gluten-free like I am, not by choice, (laughs) then it's another amazing option. And there's not many amazing options out there for people that are gluten-free. But even if you're not, still look at her products. Because honestly, this food tastes good. And there's nothing better than when you're sitting there at a, at a fire at night. After you've been backpacking or hunting, carrying heavy weight on your back or just putting in the miles. What's better than a nice hot meal and a good cold drink, in my opinion? Well, Heather's Choice provides that. So we're going to learn today a little bit about Heather, how she came up with Heather's Choice, how she has done such an amazing job with this company and has grown it to the point where now she has expanded into not just backpacking and rafting community, but the hunting community as well. So without further ado, uh, here's Heather. Awesome. So I've got Heather here from Heather's Choice and, uh, I've used some of her products before and I use them consistently when we're out in the back country and uh, whether that be backpacking or hunting or whatever, uh, she definitely lives a lot more rugged life than I do living up there in Alaska. So <laughs> we're going no, to get no, to know no. Heather. Let's be clear. I still like drive my car back and forth from my house. Like I don't go by sled dog. I don't have to navigate polar bears or anything. So don't let them fool you. <laughs> but yeah, but you're driving your car over like 16 feet of snow, right? Like this. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. It is definitely a winter wonderland, which I would take that over you know, living in Bellingham previously, it would just be, it would just rain, you know, for six months and I'll take snow over that any day. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Well, well, uh, there's a little brief introduction on Heather, but Heather's going to let us know a little bit more about herself. So start from the beginning. I mean, what, first of all, growing up in Alaska, um, that has to be pretty intense, you know, fighting off bears on your way to school and walking <laughs> up, walking up hills both ways and, and, feet feet of snow, you know, no, but, yep. but really though, how, how was it growing up in Alaska? You know, I, Alaska's home sweet home. I absolutely love it here. Both my parents were born and raised in Alaska on my mom's and my dad's side. My grandparents moved up pre-statehood. So probably the early 1950s that my grandparents were like, I've got a great idea. Let's move to Alaska, you know, from like St. Louis, Missouri. I don't even know how they got here. They must have driven these most ridiculous cars across the 
across Canada all the way up to Alaska and showed up here and been like, okay, well, Anchorage is hardly even a city at this point. Like it was referred to as tent city because downtown was just canvas wall tents everywhere. Um, so I have a, a family lineage of being here in Alaska and honestly growing up here, you know, it feels a little bit spoiled, right? Like I grew up in a ski town of Girdwood and I could ski till nine 30 at night. And on a good day, I could snowboard all the way home to my house. <laughs> uh, and we just have, we just have lots of free space to roam and there's not a crazy number of people here. Uh, I always say that people in Alaska just, they don't care, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. They're minding their own business. And there's not that sense of like having to keep up with the Joneses that you might find in other places. Cause people in Alaska are just really, I feel like for the most part, pretty intrinsically motivated. Like you've got to be pretty motivated to live here because the winters are long and dark and difficult. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty, pretty crazy about it overall, but I could really go for some sunshine come this time of year. <laughs> right. That's funny. So, so you grew up going to school, uh, riding your snowboard home, which sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> that sounds really cool. Uh, but so what, I mean, I, I you know, I, I read a little bit beforehand, uh, kind of on, on your page of your bio and, uh, tell me a little bit more about, I mean, obviously living in Alaska, you live in the outdoors, but growing up, what were some things that, that got you really involved into, uh, I mean, what you do now? Yeah. Uh, in high school, I was again, just a snowboard brat and did some rock climbing and whatever. When I turned 18, the local rafting company, uh, was looking to hire some, some new recruits, get some new raft guides in the door. And so somehow I was recruited with my friend, Allison, my friend, Emily, I think our friend Deirdre was there, Sarah, like there was just a crew of, you know, these young girls that they recruited as to be a part of this rafting company. And to be honest, my first summer, like I was so freaking weak like I could not row a boat to save my life. And I would go home at the end of the day, just crying, like, I'm never going to be a raft guy. This is so hard. <laughs> you know, it was just like, so freaking difficult to be outside in the elements all day, to be learning how to like communicate with clients. Again, I'm like an 18 year old punky kid. Like I, you know, there was just a steep learning curve for me, but for whatever reason, just getting to spend that much time outside being physically challenged. Like we literally would row rafts through the icebergs and then row people down river and put them back on a train. Like you'd see bears, you'd see moose, eagles, like the whole thing. It was just such a quintessential Alaskan trip. And that pretty well changed the trajectory of the rest of my life, getting involved in rafting. So that's eventually how I got into rowing crew collegiately, which is a whole nother story. And to this day, now that I, now that I can sex, successfully row my own boat, rafting is my favorite thing to do on planet earth, but I sucked <laughs> when I started out. <laughs> that's awesome. So, and I, and I love that too, because, you know, you took that and you, uh, yeah, you kind of at the beginning, you were like, oh, this sucks. I'm never going to be a guide, but you kind of took that challenge on it. It seems like at least from what I understand about you and your story, you're, you're kind of one of those people that you see that challenge and you're like, I'm going to take it on. I imagine that comes from your parents who drew, drove from, you said St. Louis, right? 
grandparents drove from St. Louis. So, yeah. Gra- so, so like okay. multi-generational. So yeah. So grandparents <laughs> grew, you know, they drove from St. Louis up to Alaska, which I, yeah, I can't even imagine that trip. And right. Uh, right? Did they have kids at the time? Uh, my dad hadn't been born yet. His older brother had been. So yeah, oh, just man. again, what like a crazy, yeah. <laughs> crazy road trip. Like, okay, kids get in the car. We're I don't even want to go down to St. George you know, with kids sometimes. Cause it's like just the idea of driving with them for just a couple hours. I can't imagine. It's not even across country. It's across two countries to a place that wasn't even technically a state yet. And to tell them, Hey, we're going to live in a wall tent. Like, right. yes, they can be warm, but they're not that warm. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's crazy. That, that's awesome. But I, so I imagine, you know, your family's a lot like that. You kind of inherited that whether you liked it or not. And, uh, and so, you know, again, growing up snowboarding home, I can't imagine snowboarding home, let alone snowboarding in general, but like just being part of your everyday life. That's awesome. And so you took that kind of weakness. And again, I've been rafting, maybe I've been rafting once now that I think about it. And it was cold in Wyoming in the middle of the summer. I can't imagine rafting in Alaska in between icebergs. Like that's, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, Okay. So that's awesome. And then you turned that into rowing. So tell me a little bit about this, the rowing experience that you had. You, you were on a collegiate team at Western Washington University, right? Yep. Yeah. This is, I'll tell you the funny version of the story and you can edit this out later if you want to, but it's pretty freaking funny. Yeah. Just give it to them. So I'm five, nine, like I'm a fairly tall woman and I was rowing my raft one day and one of my clients was, uh, you know, was an older gentleman and he's like, oh, so what are you going to do after this summer? And I'm like, well, I'm going off to college at Western Washington University. And he's like, oh, well, turns out he was a crew coach. So I don't know what school he was at, but he's like, yeah, you know, Western's got a really good team. And, you know, you should go out for the crew team when you get there because, you know, you're tall and you don't have any tits. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess that's Old like a prerequisite. Just... <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, you'd be great at it. And I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know anything about like, Is crew. that a compliment? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, of course, you know, me following the little breadcrumbs, I get to Western Washington. I get moved into the dorm and there's a gal who's about four foot ten, you know, just a little shrimp of a person. Well, it turns out you need these little shrimpy people as the coxswains in a racing shell. So basically this little gal like grabbed my hand and she's like, okay, we're going to orientation. And I show up to this, you know, auditorium full of women, you know, probably 200 of us who are, you know, we're going to try out for the crew team. And I really distinctly remember seeing this woman, Lindsay, who was the current team captain, and she was tall, dark haired, slender, strong, gorgeous, like exuded a lot of confidence. And I was like, oh my God, like, I want to be her when I grow up. Like she was just captivating to me as like a very young, impressionable 18 year old, just showing up at college. And for whatever reason, I showed up to the first crew practice on a Saturday at five o'clock in the morning, and I fell in love with that sport. Really similar to my experience with rafting, it was just really 
all consuming for me and really, 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 really hard. <laughs> just super humbling. Like I got my ass kicked again, like trying to learn how to row boats. But every morning you got to be out on the water, you know, in these beautiful long 40 foot racing shells underneath the stars, it's foggy, you know, it's like just this really ethereal almost experience to get out on the water that early in the morning. And it was so freaking challenging. I just sunk my teeth into it and was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And once again, that was like a pivotal moment in my life where all of a sudden, okay, I guess I'm an athlete now. Like, sure. I've played sports or whatever, but this was like a whole new level of intensity. And I took it very, very seriously when I was in college. <laughs> that's awesome. That that's, that's so cool to hear. Cause I, I love hearing about people that are drawn to challenges. Like you didn't look at that and you were like, Oh man, that's unattainable and left the auditorium. Like you looked at, at that captain and we're like, you were like, man, I want to be her. And you went in, you know, and you trained and you, you realized how much it sucked and you were like, I'm just going to get better at it instead of backing off, which is what a lot of people tend to do. And that's, again, it's just, it seems to be like a trend for you. Cause then after rowing, you went into CrossFit, yeah. right? So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Cause I mean, again, <laughs> just one thing after another, if again, snowboarding in, but in and of itself, I, my balance is terrible. Like don't ask me to go balance on a balance beam or, or on a skateboard or anything like that. You know, so your balance is amazing. And then you move into rowing, you suck at it and you become amazing at it. Collegiate athlete, which most people can't be, uh, or don't, you know, put in the effort to be, and then you move into CrossFit. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, this is also a good story. So I graduate from college. We won our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth national championship. So like the team continued to perform really well while I was at school there. And I get done with college and go back home to Alaska to do another rafting, you know, another year of rafting on the same gig. I did that for five summers and ended up finding somebody who's like, oh, you should, you should go on the Grand Canyon with us this winter. And I'm like, what? Like, that is so, so interesting. Like, I don't know anything about the Grand Canyon. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, yes, I want to go rafting in the winter. Like I just graduated school and I don't know what I'm doing. All that to say, I end up going on a 20 some odd day river trip you know, rowing 3000 pound rafts, you know, 200 some odd miles. And again, a life-changing experience. And while I was on that trip, I had a gentleman who said, you know, if you want to continue to like get better at rafting and pursue this rafting career, as if that's a thing, <laughs> he's like, you should move to Fort Collins and guide on the Poudre river. And me just being a 20 something, like looking for my next thing, I pack all my stuff into my pickup truck, drive to Haynes, Alaska, catch the ferry to Bellingham, drive my sorry ass to Colorado and show up there and just start applying for jobs at like every river company in town. Well, pretty quickly as I'm like waiting to maybe get a job, I don't know, like they don't Wait, start so hiring until May. Hold on. So most people are like, they go out to Hollywood and they're like, oh, I'm going to maybe get a job. You weren't, you weren't even thinking about Hollywood. You were like, I'm going to the grand Canyon and I'm just going to pack up what I have. And I don't know if I'm going to get a job. Maybe, maybe not. I don't even know if I can make it back to Alaska. Cause I may not have a job, but I'm going to go and just, you know, get in the water. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah so i end up in in colorado like say pursuing this this raft guide career that i think i'm gonna have and applied but just have to wait right because they're not gonna they're not gonna like start hiring people till may and this is march so i stroll into a local crossfit gym you know thinking like i'm a hot shit collegiate rower and i just won you know four national championships and once again i get freaking humbled like i can't squat i definitely can't clean and jerk i do not have pull-ups like all of a sudden I was just like, whoa, like I thought I was in really good shape. But the rowing machine, you had the rowing machine. To- <laughs> I can, I can crush on a rowing machine, but if it's programmed into a workout, I'm probably not going to show up that day because nothing is more painful than rowing on an erg. Like it's the worst. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I ended up showing up this CrossFit gym just fell in love with it. It was epically hard and something new for me to learn how to do and really kind of bolstered my knowledge as an athlete of like how to move properly. And after I did in fact get hired at a rafting company in Fort Collins, I did that job for probably six weeks. And by the end of the six weeks, I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm getting paid nothing. The tips are terrible. And like the clientele sucks. Like it was just, it was nothing like the experience I'd had back in Alaska where I made great money. The clients were fun. I knew the program. I ran one, I did one trip a day. And like, again, I did that for five years and I could do that in my sleep. This all of a sudden was like, oh, I'm not making money. It's not that fun. I don't care for the people. Like I'm out of here. And so now I'm living in Fort Collins with no, no job. Right. Like, I was just going to say the barrier of entry is lower. You know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. getting up to Alaska, you have to pay some good money to get to Alaska and then doing Alaska, you know, any kind of Alaska trip in, in general is, is it's not cheap. And so it's kind of that barrier of entry is a lot higher. So you get higher quality people. And then you get into, you know, like Wyoming, Colorado, everyone's going there during the summer, them and their kids and their grandparents, they want the easiest thing and the cheapest thing and do all the stuff while they're there. And so I can see that being a thing. Definitely. That was totally it. And so then I went to my CrossFit gym and talked to my coach and I'm like, dude, I'm like kind of in a weird spot. Like I've moved out here with all my stuff. This job blows (laughs) a technical term. And he was like, Hey, don't you have a background in sports nutrition? Like, can you coach my athletes on how to eat for performance? And I'm like, you know what? Yes, I can. And I started off by doing a seminar at that CrossFit gym. It was CrossFit North Fort Collins at the time. And I think one person showed up to my first seminar. Right. And I probably made 15 bucks, but like, I made 15 bucks, you know, like this is working. And I would do 30 minute nutrition consults for $30. And that just grew. Like, I think it was early enough in the days of CrossFit that people were getting really obsessive with it. And there wasn't outside of somebody like Rob Wolf, who was kind of like this iconic figure in the land of, you know, paleo nutrition. Like if you couldn't work with Rob Wolf, you didn't have a whole bunch of other options. So like my timing was pretty good to be like, hi, my name's Heather. I have a degree in evolutionary nutrition. I have an athletic background. I love CrossFit. Like I'd be happy to work with you. 
And so that turned into pretty much a five-year journey where I traveled to CrossFit gyms all across the country doing these nutrition seminars. Uh, I had clients all over the world that I would do eating psychology and sports nutrition consults with. And at like 20, how old was I? 23-ish years old. Like I'd have $13,000 months in my business. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, this is awesome. You know, like it was just really fun and interesting. And I was just trying stuff on for size. Uh, and the CrossFit thing lasted through about 2014 for me. And then I realized I was living in Colorado. I lived in an air conditioned apartment. I drove my air conditioned car to an air conditioned gym. And I literally looked around one day and I was like, this is not, this isn't my life. Like I'm out of here. I'm moving home to Alaska. Like I do not want to can't (laughs) snowboard home. A little too hot here. Uh, so in 2014, I once again, packed everything up back into my truck, moved home to Alaska. And that was sort of what catapulted this whole Heather's choice journey that I've been on for the last seven years. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. So I, yeah, I didn't know that much about your CrossFit journey. That's so cool to hear that, that you got into the nutritional side of things there as well. Um, I'm, personally just starting probably the last like four months getting into CrossFit style weightlifting. I haven't joined Ooh. the box yet. Um, but I do love the functional movement that it provides and going away from uh, traditional weightlifting and getting into these more functional movements. Like I can already tell, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more mobile. I'm not naturally flexible. And so like catching a snatch in a squat position or, uh, you know, catching a clean in that squat position rather than up higher, you know, and, and muscling through things, um, is definitely a lot. It's a lot to learn. Um, yeah, it's very humbling as well because I'm used to being able to lift a lot more weight. And then I go to clean that same amount of weight that I can, you know, deadlift or whatever. I'm like, Nope, it's not coming Uh much more off the floor (laughs) past my waist. (laughs) Like (laughs) exactly. And so, so yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I don't, um, I don't like the bad rap that it's gotten. And I used to be again, one of the guys that picked on it because, um, I was looking at going into physical therapy at one point and I was like, Oh yeah. CrossFit gyms. They keep physical therapies in, is in business. Right. That's like, that's the whole reason why physical therapists are around. And, uh, it's not the case if you got a good trainer. So, um, I, I do like it a lot and I think that's cool. So you went back to Alaska and then I was looking at some, some pictures here on your, on your website, you pack rafted in the Denali national park. Was that after you came mm-hmm. back from Colorado? Uh, close to, so that was the okay. summer of 2013. Uh, if you want to hear another crazy story. Sure. So summer of 2013, again, I'm making great money doing my you know nutrition gig. I decide I'm going to go home to Alaska for a month like just going to go home and play super hard, go pack rafting, do whatever. Cause there's nowhere else that you want to be besides Alaska in the summer. Sorry, real quick, explain what pack rafting is for people that don't understand what pack rafting is. Yeah. So pack rafting is where you have these small personal size inflatable boats. Uh, they roll up and they're about the size of like, you know, the lower compartment of your backpack where you could potentially shove like your sleeping bag. 
Yeah. Like you can fit a raft in there. I think they weigh about seven pounds. And so there are these packable boats that you can literally shove in your pack and take with you wherever. And it makes for a really fun mode of travel in a place like Alaska, where you have so many remote rivers that you don't have road access to. So it just opens up this whole new uh, mode of travel that I think is pretty unique to Alaska. But flash forward to today, and I think pack rafting has kind of taken on a life of its own, much like CrossFit has. Yeah, it's um, become cool. Yeah. So I anyway, go sorry, back, back to your story. Oh, that's fine. Um, I go back to Alaska. This is June of 2013. And when I got on the airplane, again, I'd left my beloved truck at the airport. Uh, and that day, I think it was, it was either that day or like right around when I left, a forest fire started outside of Fort Collins. I think it was the High Park fire. Well, the house that I was renting was up in Red Feather north of Fort Collins in the mountains at about 8,000 feet. I don't even know how I like scored renting this place, but it was awesome. And I'm back in Alaska and the landlord calls and he's like, Hey, you know, just want to let you know, we're keeping an eye on this fire. Cause like it's in the area and like everybody's working hard to keep the fire under control, but like, we're going to be monitoring this every day. So a couple weeks into my trip, I, I get a phone call, I'm, like coming out of a hot yoga studio get in my car you know get a return a phone call from the landlord and he's like hey are you sitting down and I'm like yeah he's like it's gone I'm like what what do you mean he's like the house is it's gone like there ain't anything left so as you can imagine this is like pretty emotional I'm like holy shit like I didn't pack any of my like beloved things like I was just going home for a month to go screw off and then going to come back and like resume my life in Colorado uh but when I got back to Colorado the only thing I had was my pickup truck that I left at the airport (laughs) and like a few furniture items in an office that I had rented in downtown Fort Collins so I sold the furniture that was at the office got in my truck and was like well guess I'm moving to Telluride for the summer because like there ain't nothing here for me anymore. Like literally everything that I owned in this, you know, part of the world is gone. Uh, so yeah, that was summer of 2013. And by the summer of 2014, I had fully moved back home to Alaska. Wow. That's, (laughs) that's quite the story of your experience in Colorado. Um, and that is, that's intense. I've, you know, I, I've got some people that either I, I follow or I'm friends with that have dealt with stuff like in Oregon recently. And um, I just had a friend from, from school out in, uh, I want to say it's Tennessee that had a house fire and they lost mm-hmm. everything, obviously, except for their, their dog, their baby and and their husband. And, uh, and I can't imagine having to start over. Um, and you were like, just trying to enjoy a trip back home, you know? And, uh, and you come back to that, like, that's, that's crazy. I, I can't yeah. imagine. Um, wow. And so, so then you went to tell you ride, then you came back to Alaska and, uh, um, tell me about, I mean, when you went back to Alaska, obviously, you know, you were back home 
you you love it in Alaska. You keep going back. You can't get enough of the cold. And uh, you know, when you're not cold, you're you're in the water. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a mix of both. Um, but tell me, tell me about how Heather's choice started. Yeah, so I get back home to Alaska and the idea for Heather's Choice had percolated for probably about three years now. Cause when I did my first Grand Canyon trip in 2011, again, there was, there was a gentleman on that trip who saw that I had dehydrated all of this good quality food, like a bunch of sweet potatoes, a bunch of jerky, a bunch of meals. Like I just dehydrated a ton of stuff so that I could bring a bunch of good food with me on this 20 some odd day river trip. Uh, cause again, at the time I was like a pretty high level athlete and I really cared about the quality of food I was eating. And like, I just, I cared enough to bother to make a lot of my own stuff. So on that trip, this gentleman, Jason, who was on the trip with me took notice and he was like, man, you really got something here. Like, this is pretty cool. So that was 2011 flash forward to 2014. I'm back home in Alaska and I'm still dehydrating food, right? I'm still just like geeked on it and it's fun and it's playful. And like this idea for Heather's Choice is becoming like a little more enticing, you know, like what if I could actually start my own dehydrated food company and I could like make this really high quality, awesome, delicious, good food for people going on extended backcountry trips, like pack rafting or sea kayaking or whatever. And so my buddy, Jason, who I'd known from rafting back in the day, who's a local entrepreneur here in Alaska, really successful. He's like, what is it going to take for you to actually turn this into a business? And I'm like, well, Jason, at the time I am living in a 27 foot camp trailer, in my dad's front yard, because again, I've just like moved back to Alaska and haven't even like settled roots yet. Uh, I don't have a kitchen, like the camper isn't going to cut it. And the dehydrator I have is a small five tray, like home tabletop dehydrator. Like I can't really make that much food. I need a bigger dehydrator. And he's like, all right, listen, I've got a fourplex in Anchorage. I'll let you live there for free in one of the units. And let's go to Cabela's and buy the biggest <laughs> dehydrator that they have. And I, I triple dog dare you to like, to go for it. And to see if you can turn this into something. So as you can imagine, I'm like all giddy and excited. Like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. So we go to Cabela's, like get this dehydrator that's the size of a wine cooler. And, you know, I get moved into this apartment and I plug the sucker in. And I just so happen to have somebody along the way coach me and say like, hey, if you're going to launch a website, an e-commerce site, don't launch on WordPress, you know, use Shopify. And I'm like, okay, like what the hell is e-commerce? Like <laughs> just, just like throwing myself into this. Uh, but I launched my website, heatherchoice.com, August 15th of 2014. And at the time I was making everything in my little rinky dink apartment that I was not paying rent on. Uh, and to my surprise, like it took off. Like all of a sudden we got some press in the local paper. Uh, we got picked up by some folks in the hunting community who really took a liking to our stuff. Uh, the phase where I was making everything myself in my apartment ended very quickly when that local health department got word of this. 
it. <laughs> like they shut me down pretty freaking fast. Yeah. <laughs> Until they tried uh, your food, right? There's a twist. They tried your food and they're like, ah, we can let this go. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wish I freaking wish. Uh, so that's where, like I say, I feel like that summer of 2014, when I just kind of on a whim was like, okay, I'm going to try this. Like that's, that was another pivotal life-changing moment in time where all of a sudden I had definitely bitten off more than I could chew. And I feel like to this day now, seven and a half years later, like Heather's Choice is still here and we're still doing it. It has been a very, very challenging, bumpy, difficult ride. Um, but I feel like I've kind of illustrated that over the last however long, like there seems to be a theme here that I just can't get enough of like those really hard, challenging things that I have to just like become all consumed by in order to be successful with it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's interesting. So you went back to your roots in Alaska, you went back to your roots and a little bit of an upgrade from a wall tent, but you know, 27 foot trailer. And, uh, <laughs> and so you went back to like your grandparents roots and then, you know, you, you, you had some good friends, you had that support system around you that I, I love that, you know, you triple dog dared you to do it. You know, that seems so, so silly to say, but at the same time, like having those friends that kind of push you, give you that little, you know, bump in the right direction, you're already heading that way. They're just kind of give you that extra little shove, you know, it's like, it's like being in uh you know, in high school and you're in that little circle and no one wants to go in and dance and someone shoves you to the middle and you just got to do it. <laughs> right. And so that, this kind of sounds like uh, you said, Jason, right. Was your friend that, that pushed you into that. I think that's, that's so cool. Um, and, and then the name came from what I was reading on, on your, uh, in your background a little bit was from your mother. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom, um, it's actually her birthday today. I got to see her earlier today. We're well, happy birthday. Gonna celebrate. Happy birthday, mom. Uh, my mom is like, she's the ultimate mom. Like she's just the warmest, sweetest, nicest person you'll ever meet. And she definitely instilled kind of a love for food in me. I would say like, I consider my mom the ultimate foodie and like when her and I travel together, we just like go to all the whole food stores, buy all the things and, you know, just like love up on all the local food we can get our hands on. And she, when she was raising me, had percolated the idea for starting a line of organic baby food called Heather's Choice. Uh, my dad is an entrepreneur. And at the time he had started the first microbrewery in Anchorage. And so my dad's brewery kind of took precedent over my mom starting her own baby food company. And so when, you know, I decided I was going to start my own dehydrated food line, you know, the name Heather's Choice was just really ripe for the picking, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. And, uh, and, and so is her name Heather as well? Uh, my mom's name is Mary. Okay. All right. But she was saying Heather's Choice in reference to foods that you, okay. That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I love that. And, uh, you know, there's so many, it's, it's, I think understated, um, how many women out there, like in your mom's example, uh, was so supportive of her husband that she was willing to forego her own venture and to raise the kids and 
yet that's coming to fruition. It, it kind of came full circle through you. And, uh, you know, you grew up, so you're not eating baby food anymore. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but you've, you've found that dehydrated food that works for you. And, and I love that about your product that it is so clean. Um, it's not packed full of fillers or anything like that. And you found a way to make good food taste good. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things, like when you're out backpacking, I don't, and do you hunt at all? you mentioned jerky. Mm-hmm. You do. Okay. So we'll get into that here in a minute. Cause I, that's an, I love that topic. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as, you know, making food while you're backpacking and you're, you're starving, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, you're hungry at the end of the day, after you've been rafting, I imagine, uh, you know, being soaked in the water and steering the boat, uh, pack rafting. I mean, that backpack looked twice as big as you on the picture on your <laughs> website, you know, and you're just happy as can be because, you know, you got a good meal coming for it. No, <laughs> but honestly, like food can make or break a trip. It really can. I'm sure you've experienced that. And I've just gone from certain other brands uh, that I consider like the McDonald's of backcountry food, dehydrated food to stuff like Heather's Choice and a couple of other uh, like Alpen Fuel for their granola, Heather's Choice for your um for what you do as far as like bison chili was, and I keep saying that, but that's my favorite one. Uh, the salmon chowder. I think that's the name of it. Right. I know it's just, mm-hmm. and you don't think like, and maybe that's what got you kicked out of the building. Cause you were dehydrating salmon. They smelled it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that is, that is a very real thing in the history of Heather's choice. When we would dehydrate, you know, hundreds of pounds of salmon at a time, like our neighbors in this complex were, mm-hmm. were not real crazy about it. So we now successfully have outsourced it to a local seafood processor and they can get away with it, but you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> Dehydrating hundreds of pounds of salmon at a time is not recommended. <laughs> so you think, you think it's bad being in an office when someone warms up some cod with their rice, like imagine <laughs> dehydrating hundreds of pounds of salmon. Oh my goodness. That sounds, uh, I mean, it's delicious, but I'm sure that didn't smell too good for your neighbors. It's a little much. Yeah. They weren't participating. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, it's, it really can like go just going back to it. Like it can make him break a trip. They really can like having good nutrition. Um, you know, you need to get the nutrition in, but also having it taste good. Like you could go and eat a, a bar that tastes like chalk and has all the right nutrition you might feel okay. You might recover well, but it's, it's still not as good as like sitting around a little fire that you built with your friends and chatting about what you did all day, um, around some good food, you know, and, and being and one, it was so good that you want to share it with other people, you know, which is what happened in your case where you just organically shared it with someone that was on the trip. And they're like, Hey, you have something here. Um, you got the passion behind it. You just kind of, you have everything mixed in there. And I, I love that about your brand and about your, uh, your company. Um, so let's talk a little bit about hunting. I, I imagine again, being up in Alaska, like I've got a buddy up there who, I don't know the situation, but I guess when there's like roadkill moose or something like that, they send it to families or they donate it. They pro they have local families process it to donate to homeless shelters or something like that. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience hunting growing up in Alaska, you don't have many big game animals up there. I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Right. Um, Wait, let's see. As a, my mom and dad, neither one of them are hunters. Like sure. We would go fishing every summer. That was like 
that's just the thing that you do. Uh, so I had uncles that hunted, but like hunting was literally not, it wasn't even in my periphery. Like it wasn't anything I thought about. It wasn't anything I aspired to. And then in the summer of 2014, when I started Heather's Choice, I remember having one gentleman in particular who ordered 40 dinners, 40 breakfasts and 40 snacks. And I'm like, that's going to take me forever <laughs> to make that much stuff. You know, because at the time I'm like hand chopping the carrots and hand chopping the onions and cooking everything in crock pots, loading into this dehydrator and packaging it and hand labeling it and driving into the post office. And I'm like, dude, this is going to take me a long time to get this order put together. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm going on a mountain goat hunt, a sheep hunt and, you know, whatever else he was going for. So he's going to be in the field for 40 days that fall. And I was like, wow, this is, this is wild. Like I'm all about extended backcountry trips, but like, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around what it would be like to go chase a mountain goat in the mountains. Uh, and that's just sort of like, somehow, I don't, I don't know how these things happen, but for whatever reason, Heather's choice just became really desirable in the hunting community. And I think it's because timing is everything, right? Like Heather's choice was one of the very first alternatives to mountain house. Like, sure. There were other freeze dried food brands out there, but Heather's choice and good to go. Like we were the two dehydrated food companies that kind of launched at the same time. And people were really, really looking for healthier alternatives to what they'd had in the past with, you know, our freeze dried counterparts. And so for whatever reason, Heather's Choice was eagerly adopted by people in the hunting community. And we got a ton of brand exposure, whether it was through Rockslide or the Journal of Mountain Hunting, or one of the first podcasts that I was interviewed for was Gritty Bowman. And that like changed the trajectory of my business overnight, like, boom, everything was different. And so as I'm you know, making and selling food to all of these big burly hunter dudes. I'm like, what? Like, I want to understand like what their experience is like, because I've never gone and like looked for animals and tried to shoot one and bring one home. Like I've never done this before. And so I was really fortunate that my buddy, Steve, like, again, I just, my friends take good care of me. My buddy Steve's like, okay, like we're going to go on a hunt. Like, what do you want to go for? And I'm like, man, I'm actually really curious about bears. Like I've grown up in Alaska being terrified of bears and just like cruising around with bear spray and yelling, Hey bear, you know, till the cows come home to like try to make a ruckus and like, make sure you don't have a, a run in with a bear. So we ended up going together to Cordova, Alaska and hunted spring black bears. And I got to take my first animal and it was an awesome experience. And I had never eaten black bear before. Turns out spring black bear is freaking delicious. And I had now have this like really beautiful black throw because like spring bears have this really beautiful, thick, awesome, like pristine fur. Um, and everything about my first hunting experience was just incredible. It was awesome. And so now my boyfriend, Brad, and I make a point to go build a freezer every fall. And so it's taken us to Denali Park area where we've gotten caribou. Uh, it's taken us on more river trips where we've you know, brought home moose. 
Uh, we have chased mountain goats on multiple occasions, and those suckers are impossible to find as far as I'm I, concerned. You know, it's amazing to me. <laughs> Sheep and mountain goats, like they can balance on this thing that's not even as big as my hand, and they can fit all four hooves on there and, mm-hmm. and just sit there and they just look at you, and then you're like, you know, they just hop away. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't even want to hang on that. Like right. <laughs> and you're standing there like it's nothing. <laughs> totally such incredible animals so yeah it's been a really fun evolution for me like my desire to hunt really came from my curiosity to better understand the customers like probably 80 percent of our customer base is big game backcountry hunters in the western states and it has opened up you know a whole new skill set for me and a whole new life experience and I just feel like the people in the hunting community have been so consistently supportive of me and my business. And they've been really supportive of me getting into hunting at 20 something years old. Uh, And it has created just a new life skill that I'm actually pretty proud of. Like it's pretty awesome to be able to break down an entire moose, bring it home, process it, get it in the freezer and then serve it to people in your home. Like there's so much about that, that kind of speaks to what you touched on earlier of the entire food experience and just how rich that can be and how fulfilling that can be to procure cook and serve really, really, really good food to people. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, and you know, I, I want to touch on a couple of things here that you brought up. Um, first of all, going back to the trend in your life, you didn't just go after the deer that's in your backyard. You went after a black bear in the spring. <laughs> that was your first hunt. I still have yet to hunt a uh, bear in general. And, um, I I'd, I'd love to go. I'd take that back. I went on my buddy's hunt this last year and we chased a cinnamon bear for literally all day. It was awesome to watch, but he refused to treat. So, you know, that didn't go so well. Um, but we, uh, yeah, I'd love to hunt bear some, someday. I, I, I've heard that they're better in the spring because they're eating a bunch of berries and stuff like that rather than in the fall. They taste a little bit more fishy. Um, but anyway, I, I think that's awesome that, again, you, you didn't just take on the deer in your backyard, which I'm sure there's plenty of moose and deer in your backyard. You were like, oh, I'm going to go take on a black bear because I'm scared of them. Like, Again, you just, you tend to have this trend of just, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to triple dog dare myself to, to go in on this thing that, that just uh, a lot of people don't even think about. So, so that's awesome. Um, And then the whole idea of why hunters would be attracted to your food. Again, they, they understand, like I said, the McDonald's of backcountry food, these other companies after a couple of days, like you don't feel good anymore. You just don't you know, and, and there's so many things that go into those other, uh, those other companies, you know, fillers and stuff like that, that happened. They just mess with your gut. And so that was the first time I'd heard of you was actually listening to the gritty podcast. And, uh, and they talked about how awesome your food was. And I, I just kept thinking like salmon chowder, like it sounds good, but at the same time, I don't know, like, how would that be dehydrated? And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I went all in and, and, and got some It is man, it is again, there's something about sitting around a fire with a good meal after a hard day of again, backpacking, hunting, whatever it may be. And knowing that you're getting the right nutrition in, which I kind of nerd out about myself. Um, but also it tastes good. 
Like it's, it's something that you look forward to. It's not just another protein bar or something else just to get food in your stomach. Um, it, it really does taste delicious. I mean, there's, I don't know of another word, uh, it's nutritious and delicious. Like it sounds goofy, <laughs> but at the same time, like it really, it really is. And so that's why those people I imagine were attracted more to you because they realized, and by word of mouth, they were just like, man, this makes me feel good. It tastes good. And it's really not, I mean, it's not even in big packages. You know, you don't have these ginormous packages that you're packing everywhere with extra garbage and stuff. Um, it just kind of all fits in well. And so it's cool that you, your curiosity turned you into uh, another hobby that, that you really enjoy. Um, is there one animal that you're looking to hunt in the next couple of years that you're, I mean, you mentioned chasing mountain goats, but is that your kind of your big ticket item or is there one that you're looking to go after in the next couple of years? You know, the last two years, uh, Brad and I got a moose in 2020. And then this past year, we went with the, our buddy Jason again and got another moose on a rafting trip here in Alaska. And at this point, I'm like pretty sold on having an entire moose to eat for the year. Like that is so for me as like, just, uh, again, like I'm five foot nine, like I'm 160 pounds. Like I'm just a red meat devourer. Like I cannot get enough of it. Like I still lift weights and I'm an active person and like red meat is the thing that will forever be the most satisfying for me. And so having that abundance of red meat, like when you get something like a moose, that's pretty, that's a perk of living in Alaska that I don't take lightly. Uh, and I, I think I forget sometimes though, like how fortunate we are to have that option. Right. So, um, moose maybe isn't the most sexy animal to go after, but like in terms of bang for your buck, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one to beat. <laughs> I agree with that. And, and kind of going back to that too, it's such a, it's such a good source of, of protein. It's lean. Um, and my, my buddy actually just got a cow moose this year and I'm sure it's probably half the size of the cow moose up in Alaska, but, but this thing was big. I mean, it took three of us to pack it out, you know, in, in one trip. And even then we were still pretty, pretty weighed down. I mean, they're, they're big animals. And this was a cow, like I was saying, uh, here in Utah, they're not, they definitely don't get as big as Alaska. I've seen some of those Alaska moose. I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like you could climb on that thing for days and still not reach the top. Like, but, uh, that that's awesome. I, I love that, that you're, you're in it mainly for the, the experience and the resource as well. And, and again, why hunters would be drawn to your food and especially Western hunters, because they understand and they cherish that, that meat is almost like gold. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, yes, you can go to the store and buy meat, but it's really funny because, this over this last year, I didn't even realize there was a meat shortage because between me and my buddy and his brother, like he had to buy extra freezers this last year, um, just to fit everything in. And, and, uh, and so when I was hearing people talk about it, I was like, I was like, Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And they're like, what do you mean? You didn't know. Don't you eat a lot of red meat? I'm like, Oh yeah. Deer, moose, elk, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever we can pull out of the freezer that day. And then when we do get beef, we actually go to a local butcher and uh, we split it between three families and, and pick out the, you know, the calf and they raise it right and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome that again, you just seem to be drawn to quality people that will push you past your comfort zone and, uh, and just 
quality food, nutrition, which again, goes back to your background of, you know, you just love nutrition, right? You, you geek out about it. And uh, so tell me a little bit more about, I mean, you were, you were kind of mentioning this before we, we started here, but you guys are growing. Um, you just got a, you said a, a third place that you're working out of a third space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. So as I mentioned, I started in my apartment illegally back in 2014, learned my lesson the hard way. Uh, in 2015, 16 and 17, I had attempted to outsource all of my manufacturing. And that is pretty common in the food space that you will develop a recipe and then you go find a co-packer you tell them here, make me a million units of this. And then I'm going to sell them as fast as I can and wash, rinse, repeat. Um, I got burned so many times, like attempting to go that route that finally in 2017, my boyfriend, Brad, who eventually, you know, came to work for me in this business. Uh, he's like, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Like we got to find our own kitchen and we got to find one fast. and we literally found a coffee shop in Anchorage, you know, that served food and they wanted to offer for us to rent the space from them in the evening hours to make our product. And I like walked into the space and I looked around and I'm like, would you sell it? And the guy looked at me like, who the hell does this girl think she is? <laughs> and how old are you at the I time? I'm probably, what am I? 28, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so someone in your late twenties walking in and be like, I, I could buy this. Would you sell it? Yeah. <laughs> right. I shit you not within six weeks, they vacated and we like owned all of the equipment in this space. And it was like, okay, here we go. We're going to build out our own production facility so that was the end of 2017. We were not fully operational, I don't think, until the end of 2018. So you want to talk about stress and like cash management and fear and anxiety and like all the things that come with entrepreneurship. Like that was a really hard year. But then by 2019, we were fully operational, fully USDA inspected and ready to rock and roll in this space. Uh, by 2020, when the pandemic hit, like our business blew up because again, everybody's like panic buying dehydrated food. So I got a smoking good deal on another warehouse space, like within the same industrial complex that we're in because other businesses were like, wow, you know, like panic, you know, what's going to happen with this pandemic. And the landlord's like, you want it? Like, I'll give you first month free and like no deposit down and like, just get you in there. So get into this warehouse space. And by the end of 2020, it was like, okay, like this is, this is happening. We're taking on more retail doors. You know, we're, we're doing good business. So in 2021, I spent probably a solid six months looking for another space for us to grow into. And in October, I got desperate enough that I started knocking on doors in this industrial complex, asking people if they would vacate. Like, is anybody here willing to move? And sure enough, with my luck, because I'm about the luckiest person you'll ever meet, uh, one of the gentlemen was like, yeah, actually, that would help me out a lot. Like, you want to take this space? You want to take it next week? And I'm like, yes, 
out you go. <laughs> so over the last three months, we've been outfitting this third warehouse space. And so now our business is separated over these three different locations that are all within about, you know, a 400 yard track of each other. And it's by no means ideal to have the business, you know, not all under one roof, but it's a really sweet time within Heather's Choice because we now do have more space to grow into. We have our largest staff that we've ever had. We have like a really, just like a really sweet company culture right now. Like it's a good place to be. And I'm really, really eager to to grow the business pretty exponentially in these next two years and maybe someday get us all back under one roof again. <laughs> you're just going to throw a, throw a wall tent over the whole industrial complex. Then you're, <laughs> Oh my God. I, you, I wouldn't put it past me to just be like, I own right? this block. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to Heather's choice row. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like a freaking monopoly awesome. board. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's so cool. You know, and, and looking back and just hearing your life experience, like you, you were set up, uh, from a very young age and even before then, you know, going back to your grandparents, just having that example of just taking the bull by the horns and just going with it and doing what you need to do to get it done and having the guts to go. And not many people would go and talk to, you know, someone ask them to vacate if they could, you know, would it help them out? You've employed people. Like you said, the largest staff up to this point, you're, you're creating jobs, you're blessing other people's lives and not just through your food, but providing those jobs for them. And so that's just, again, it just builds on, you know, the, everything about Heather's choice is, is just quality. It just seems like everything about your life, you've been set up from, from a very young age, you went through quite a few trials, but those allowed you to get through like this most recent stress of being an entrepreneur. And then, you know, everyone else during the pandemic was kind of, you know, vacating or, or leaving or freaking out. And you were kind of like, huh, cool. Open space. Like you were just ready to go. You had yourself set up for, for, for that opportunity and you're growing through it rather than, you know, complaining about shutdowns and lockdowns and all this other stuff that's going on. Again, you're blessing people's lives by providing that dehydrated food and, and jobs. I mean, those, that's just amazing. Um, so I do want to ask to kind of wrap up here. Uh, what are three things, if you had to list three things, I'm sure there's more than that, but three main things that drive you on a daily basis at this point in your life. I know before you just enjoy chasing trouble and snowboarding places <laughs> and, <laughs> and running down big animals and, and, uh, you know, swimming, you know, but <laughs> at this point, <laughs> what are three things that drive you on a daily basis? One thing that's pretty major for me right now is I'm really kind of reconnecting with myself as an athlete. You know, I've, I've had some success along the way and I've been able to compete at a high level And now I'm actually looking for kind of the next interesting thing I can sink my teeth into. So I've got some athletic aspirations that really do get me out of bed. And I do strongly believe that we got to take care of our physical body and we got to take care of our emotional state. We got to take care of ourselves spiritually. And like, there's so much work that has to be done on ourselves in order to be of service to other people. 
And it's really difficult for me to be a good leader and a good boss and a good girlfriend and all of that if I'm not taking care of myself and like building my own sense of confidence. So right now that's a really exciting time for me to just be kind of, you know, I've got some ideas of what I want to do next uh, athletically, but I'm definitely kind of snooping around. Uh, I, I also, as an athlete feel really compelled to take things all the way to fruition, like to cross the finish line. And for some people building a business can be a, a lifelong journey, right? Like, you know, the people who have owned their business for 30 years and they pass it on to their kids and this, that, and the other. Um, I feel like knowing myself, like there is a timeline on like how long I will do Heather's choice for, like, this isn't going to be a forever thing for me. I, I don't intend on having kids. Like this isn't going to be a legacy that I leave for my family. And so I have really clear goals of like, where I want to get the business to. And I want there to come a point in time that Heather's Choice as a business and as a brand, it does stand on its own two feet without me, Heather. And that's a really tall order because, you know, I put my freaking name in it. (laughs) So um, that's like, there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of work right now that I'm doing to really try to make it to where people do resonate with the brand without necessarily having to have me in it every single day. So working really hard on that. And I, I think the other thing that really, that really kind of motivates me and like gets me going every day is a lot of curiosity. You know, like I don't, I didn't know that I was going to get to be sitting here like in this space that I had the opportunity to have built out to my liking and to like get to sit here with you and like have a conversation and have the opportunity to tell my story. Like there's so much that happens day to day that I'm just like, wow, (laughs) that's crazy. Like how crazy is that? I, I didn't see that one coming. Like it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. And I know that I do intentionally like put myself in the way of opportunity and I am clear about where I'm going. And I do have a lot of great people in my life that take good care of me and I work to take good care of them. But like overall, my experience is still very serendipitous, you know, and I, I, I'm really not clear at this point in my life if I am like being taken for a ride right? Like, am I, am I the captain of this ship? Or am I just on this ship? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not clear about that right now. And (laughs) I feel like too many things have happened um, that have been wholly outside of my control um, that I couldn't have orchestrated myself. And so there's just this little bit of an experience that I'm just like following the breadcrumbs and just being really curious about like, what's next? What is coming next? I don't know. But like, I'm here for it. Let's do this thing. Awesome. Yeah. So, so out of those three things I heard, CrossFit Games, Alaska, 2024, (laughs) Bering Strait, you're swimming the Bering Strait. And no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to think of what other athletic achievements you could accomplish, but I'm sure you'll come up with something Um, like, you know, 
wrestling a bear and bareback riding a moose. I don't know. Um, but, (laughs) 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 but, uh, that's awesome. I I think, you know, in, in all reality, it sounds like all three of those things kind of wrap themselves into you're aiming for constant progress in your life, which again is key. Um, I 100% agree that investing in your body and in yourself, you, if you don't recharge your own batteries, you can't help other people. And that doesn't, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, I'm going to go home and watch Netflix. That's not recharging. Like recharging is the nutrition, getting a good workout and getting outdoors and soaking up some sun. You know, for me, sometimes getting outside is just going to the park with my kids, um, getting a little run jog in while they're riding their bikes, uh, things like that. And they see that and my kids participate in that. And so I love that you incorporate kind of the, the three main things that I talk about here uh, with Redbeard Outdoors is faith and family, fitness and the outdoors. And that encompasses my whole life. And that's what's made me happy. It sounds like from your story, that's the same for you, your family, your loved ones, fitness in some aspect. It doesn't have to necessarily be in the gym, but I mean, I can't only imagine rowing a boat in the rapids. Like I can barely just hold on to my oar when I was in the rapids, like <laughs> and you're like steering the whole boat, you know, through icebergs. Uh, and I can, I just, that is amazing. That, that is awesome. And I, I love your story. Um, I do want to wrap just one last question for you. What is your why? And I don't know if you've heard that question before, but I'm sure you've read a book about it or something along those lines, but I love to hear these things from people that are high achievers, such as yourself and what internally you peel away all the layers, those three things that drive you on the, on a daily basis, but even beneath that, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Oh, I am pretty clear that I do not know right now for me personally, what my why is. Uh, We've done this work a lot within the brand of Heather's Choice and within the business. And our why at Heather's Choice is we believe that life is full of adventures. And that is such a clear North Star for us internally at Heather's Choice because each individual person who works here is on their own adventure right? Like they might be my employee, Brooke, who previously thought she was going to be a volleyball coach who during the pandemic found herself like there ain't a whole lot of volleyball going on. Like I got to make a new plan. And she found herself working at Heather's Choice and has like very quickly been catapulted into a sales and marketing manager. And she's getting just this like really intensive crash course in business. and. Like she's just on her own personal adventure. I'm on the adventure of like trying to learn how to even create company culture. How do I build a business? How do I finance this whole thing? Like, where am I going? And how do I build a brand that is going to outlive me? Right. And it can trickle down to obviously the adventures that we go on, like going moose hunting or rafting the Grand Canyon or whatever it might be. But I think that 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 constant realignment with like, okay, we, we are on an adventure, like we're on an adventure together for a short period of time, but the entirety of my life experience, definitely like it's been an adventure and it's going to continue to be. And that just makes it really, again, curious, fun, playful, inquisitive, just like, wow. All right. Like I am 
here for it because I am constantly surprised and constantly in awe of all the different opportunities that come my way or the challenges or whatever it might be. So yeah, as far as like me personally, I don't think it's, it's really, really clear, but as far as my perspective of like, why am I still here building Heather's choice? I think I am, I'm very much like signed on for the ride. <laughs> I love it. And if, if I could be so bold as to even summarize that a little bit, because you're, you're saying it and I don't even know if you realize this, but just from sitting back and listening to the last hour that we've been talking, um, you're in it to make other people's adventures or lives that much better. Everything that you have done in your entire life has been bettering the lives of those around you, whether that be through nutrition or giving them the raft ride of the life of their life in Alaska <laughs> or in Colorado, even the people that didn't tip you and were total jerks, like they may never go rafting again. And you were their guide. And then coming back and again, creating jobs for people. Like to me, I think that's so understated about entrepreneurs. When you create jobs for other people and you bless their lives by providing them a paycheck and a way for them, like you said, with your, your employee, Brooke, to grow into something that she didn't even know she could do or wasn't even on her radar. You know, how do you go from volleyball coach to sales marketer and, you know, and manager like that's just, you don't think that way, but you're, you're providing those rides for everyone. All the hunters that now have healthy guts because they're out in the backcountry for 40 days with healthy, nutritious food that tastes good. Like all of the things that you do in your life, bless the lives of others to the point where it makes their adventure, not just doable, but exciting. And that's, that's something that anyway, that's how I've interpreted this whole conversation. It just seems like your, your life has been about blessing the lives of others and having their adventure, which I love that you describe life as an adventure, having their adventure magnified and even better than it could have been before. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I, what I interpreted I'll from take this it. whole conversation, but <laughs> you know, and, and maybe you're too humble to say that, but I honestly, that's, that's how I feel that that's, you know, just from listening to you, understanding what, the little bit that I did before we talked and now getting to know you a little bit over the last hour, that's just, you just are out for progress and making other people's adventures that much better. And so anyway, I know, I know you have for me, uh, through your food and now getting to know you and, and, uh, I really appreciate the time that you spent with me here and uh, just chatting a little bit. Cause obviously you're a very busy woman. Um, you wear many hats and I completely understand that wearing many hats and having to take them on and, and, and change every once in a while uh, based on the situation. But thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for letting me tell a bunch of ridiculous stories and in, in succession, <laughs> you know, storytelling is the way to go. And if that's your life, I mean, it's pretty dang impressive life. It's awesome. So, and I can only imagine where you're going to take it from here. Um, yeah. Well, thanks again. And uh, to everyone out there listening, you know, definitely go check out Heather's Choice. Uh, she makes some amazing backcountry meals. Um, you won't be disappointed with any of them. And as I always say, get out, live your life and love it. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It's awesome to see people, entrepreneur spirit, rugged, backcountry has 
spent more time in the water than I can even imagine or even want to. And just overall, a great individual blessing the lives of other people through her entrepreneurial spirit, her desire to constantly progress. And please go and check her out. You can go directly to heatherschoice.com or also if you're looking for a discount on ordering those meals, you can go to alpenfuel.com and use my code REDBEARD. And I'll leave those links in the description below. But definitely go support Heather and Heather's Choice as they grow. They're providing for their local community with jobs and other opportunities, but also so that your gut feels good when you're in the backcountry, whether that be backpacking, just a, a one-day hike, or when you're spending 40 days out in Alaska going hunting. Whatever it may be, take a look at their meals and go support them. That's it. That's all I got for you guys. Hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day, rest of your weekend, if you're listening to this on Sunday. And as I always say, get out, live your life, and love it.